0: You're listening to Panthers on tap. I'm Curtis round joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing our love for the game and Carolina Panthers football. So join us crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care. Whatever makes you sleep better at night before we dive into the episode, a little self promotion, stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group. We have over 2,500 members. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Just search Panthers on tap. All right, let's get into the discussion tonight. Uh, I'll be totally honest with you. Bryson, I didn't think we'd be starting off week two complaining about a loss, but here we are. Um, I want to start with this. Uh, We both were at the game. Um, We will dive into everything a little bit deeper, what we saw first and second half in just a bit. But I'll start with this. What was your biggest surprise in this game, good or bad?
1: Um, I think to start the game, the offense being so putrid, bad, unorganized, I mean, just top to bottom, uh, was probably the biggest surprise to me because I thought it was going to look a little better than it did. Um, But, I mean, nothing looked good in the first half, offense or defense. And uh, I think that for the offense to kind of dig itself into a hole 14 to nothing and then eventually 20 to seven um, really caught me off guard. Uh, I also was surprised with how much the corners struggle and the safety struggled um, to to cover in in this game and um, allow Jacoby Brissett to complete as many passes as he did. Um, especially on third down, which is something the defense struggled with all day. So I don't think either of us were very surprised with their inability to stop the run. We've been preaching that this whole offseason and their inability to get sacks. As we've we've said multiple times over this whole entire offseason that this team has struggled to stop the run in previous years, didn't really do anything to address it this year. So that was a major concern for us in that they need to add to this defensive end group because they're not going to get a lot of pressure. And we saw that uh, culminate on the field this past Sunday. So uh, they only, they only got one sack and it was from Damian Wilson on a, on a blitz. So uh, I think Brian Burns had four pressures, but I mean, that's Brian Burns. He he just gets pressures and not, and doesn't really turn into a whole lot of sacks so far up to this point in his career. So I was very frustrated um, at the game and after the game and, and having to leave the stadium uh, for the I don't even know eighth ninth time in a row and listening to opposing fans chant uh, going down walking down the uh, the ramps to get out of the stadium it's just so demoralizing as a fan when you spend so much time and money um, and and really just really thought you know coming in starting the season with these with these high hopes and uh, and you're playing a backup quarterback, really, really thinking that, that you're going to come out with a W and then, uh, and then that game happens. So um, that's a, that's a long answer to uh, the most yeah, you, surprising. You gave part.
0: it all. You gave
1: the whole kitchen sink. <clears throat> yeah. The, I'm just, it, it's, it's just all very frustrating. Um, but uh, the most surprising part to me, I think was the offense to start the game. Uh, what is your opinion on that?
0: Mine was CMC not getting the ball in the first half. Um I was bitching out loud where I was sitting I, that, I mean, you didn't see him much. He got five touches in the first half between passes and runs. Um, I get it. They don't want to rely on him so heavily. I understand that. And that's kind of, it is it is good to see the rotation there um, with Deontay Foreman and Shuba Huber and stuff. But I definitely thought he would have been way more involved um, earlier on. But after kind of watching the game back, I ended up watching the entire game back over the course of the last couple of days. And I kind of understood some of that um, because of, you know, and I think you mentioned this a little bit. Mayfield had a couple botch snaps. Uh, there was a couple penalties that drew them back, and they're in second and long. And that kind of changes up what you're going to call. But I definitely thought CMC should have touched a ball more in the first half. And there was success in the second half when he was more involved. So I almost felt like McAdoo was outsmarting himself there and trying to be, you know, at least just from a fan's perspective, you know, not what the Browns were expecting to come out kind of pass heavy. Um, I mean, they they use the excuse of what I just said of, you know, the situation and the the bot snaps and the penalties and stuff like that. But I thought that was interesting. Um, But yeah, I would say that was definitely my biggest surprise offensively. um, Obviously, in the fourth quarter, they played what we've seen in preseason. They looked they looked pretty good offensively in the fourth quarter. The first three quarters non-existent. And that was not something we saw in preseason. I think that's what shocked me the most was, you know, the offense with Baker in that short time frame in the what would have been the first and then the third preseason game. I mean, we saw pretty established long drives down the field, even if they didn't score a touchdown, it was Baker hitting guys and, you know, quick plays and quick throws and decisive and moving the ball down the field. That was, there was none of that in the first half, which it just sucked. Cause that's, I didn't expect that. I mean, I, I understood how good the Browns were defensively on the, along the line, but I definitely thought things would have been differently offensively in this game. Um, and it took them way too long to get going. And that clearly was the outcome of the game because, um, they just struggled for way too long defensively. Um, I will say this. I thought they played better after watching the game again, they struggled getting, um, stopping the run obviously which we both i mean me and you have been saying that on this podcast for weeks that they were going to struggle run or uh, against the rush uh i mean against a uh, you know a good two tandem back uh and we talked last week um about it but i felt like defensively the second half they held them to four field goals i mean that's pretty damn good for a half um the problem was, is the last field goal was the game winner. So I felt like they did better adjusting in the second half. But again, there was, there was some, I don't know if it was rust with JC Horn or what he had a couple penalties. I think he had, he had back-to-back holding calls. Um, and one was a third down that kept the chains moving late, um, which was, which sucked. Um But we also got to remember this is his third game, his third full game in the NFL. Um, But I was a little shocked at the corners because I thought they would have held up. Uh, I remember talking to you after the game, um, and I thought Dante Jackson struggled. But when I watched the game back, he had pretty damn good coverage on Peoples Jones. Brissett made some damn good throws, and Peoples Jones made some damn good catches that, I mean, they were contested, tight coverage. But again, that shit adds up. Um, and that's that's those are the things that they gotta clean up. Um, but yeah, no one wants to come out week one. We've been me and you've been talking about it. I am so sick and tired of walk and everyone knows this place walking under the over the overpass right outside the stadium on Mint Street. Mm-hmm. And there's drummers that play under that o- overpass in yep. the middle and watching other fans celebrate and cheer in that dumbass fucking dog chant that I could rip off everyone's damn head. But I get it. I understand it. If I was in a way game, I'd be doing the same thing. But that, it just sucks. You said it, demoralizing. That's the perfect word for it. It's not fun. It's been happening for far too long. I thought the tide would have changed this week. I'm hoping it – I mean, last week, I'm hoping it changes this week. But it just – it's got to change. It's got to yeah. change.
1: It, it, it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, I, I completely agree. It is. It was. It was unacceptable to lose that game. There's no way. There's no reason that the Carolina Panthers should have lost to a Jacoby Brissett led team. Um, you know, I I think that the Carolina Panthers roster is just so talented, uh, from top to bottom that that's a game they should have won. But there definitely were some some promising things to. So take out of that game. Uh, I mean, we had two of, the, two of the longest passing plays in Panthers offense uh, in like three years in, in that one game with that pass to Ian Thomas. I think it was a 50-yarder and then uh, the 75-yard touchdown to Robbie Anderson. So we saw some explosiveness late, you know, later on in the game, but um, I think that, you know, that's something to build off of. Obviously, uh Ike I- his first game going against one of the best, if not the best, defensive ends in the NFL. Obviously, he's going to have some some blunders there. Uh, I thought for the most part he held up pretty well.
2: Um, I
0: agree. I yeah. I mean, I get it. He had those. He had a series. I think it was in the third quarter, third or early fourth quarter. He gave up back to back sacks. Yeah, from Garrett. But like overall, but, I felt like he played a decent game. I mean, I guess. <clears throat> statistically, if you look at PFF, it looks like shit. But I thought, for the most part, he did an all right job. For and, his- and
1: one and one of those uh, sacks he gave up, Matt Rule uh, said that um, that was not actually on him. Uh, it was supposed to be a, a three-step drop. Baker was supposed to get the ball out. And if he would have got the ball out on time, it wouldn't have been a sack. So, technically, Icky did what he had to do. He pushed uh, uh, Miles to the outside, gave Baker time to do the three-step to get the ball out. But Baker held on to it, and it was a stack. So, um, obviously, you know, it, it wasn't perfect by any means, but I think that Icky ha- definitely has something to build on as well from that game. Um, and then, obviously, the secondary, uh, there was the play where uh, C.J. Henderson got beat in the end zone and he grabbed the player. It was going to be an interception anyways, but he grabbed him because, you know, he, he didn't know where he was uh, in, in relation to where the ball was with the player. But uh, when you look at it, 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 it was a weird play um i mean not to to kind of take the blame off of cj but it really was a like a quarterback sprinted out to the right and then uh the wide receiver made like a kind of a cut to the left corner of the end zone it was it was a weird play and it really shouldn't have jacoby shouldn't have had that much time to throw but um when when you're when your defensive line isn't getting a whole lot of pressure it's gonna put some stress on those corners and that's what happened a lot in that game so I'm hoping, you know, that they can address the, the lack of pressure thereof and um, and obviously do something to – I'm so tired of them. I feel like they say this every year. We just got to get back to the basics. We just got to get back to the basics. We just got to get back to the basics. And they're already saying that this year, and it just gets, it just gets on my nerves. It's just like these are professional. This is the highest level of football that you play in the whole entire world. And if you need to get back to the basics, there's something seriously going on. Like it's not just getting back to the basics. It's fundamental issues with the way that you're being coached. Uh, and, and I just think that they either need to find players that can fit their system better or just change up the the way that they're running that defensive front. But um, that's a whole nother tangent. I don't even get into right now, but.
0: Well, I mean, I think, I'll be honest. They, they just, they don't have a guy opposite Burns. They just don't like, yeah. Marquise Haynes and YGM are, I'm, I'm sorry, but they're not starting caliber, good defensive ends. They're, they're not. I, what I think they're trying to do this year is they patchwork that side so long that they're like this year, fuck it. Let's see what these guys can do behind them. Because Marquise Haynes and YGM really never had the opportunity to actually just go out there and see if they can do it. Because they've always had a patchwork DN, a veteran come in. Yeah. And you're going to see that. I mean, it's they're they're non existent uh, on that side. And that's frustrating. But on the flip side of that, Brian Burns, and I get it. I mean, he is hogtied. And I watched, I, I listened to Phil Snow's press conference today. He is going to be double teamed on every single third down this year. Everyone is going to slide protection his way. He's the best defensive end out there. Everyone knows that it's no secret to other teams. He has got to find a way to break through that shit and get to the QB. Besides the blitz, that is literally the only way they're going to get pressure because he is a he has a good talent. He's Pro Bowl Caliber. He has the ceiling to get to the 14, 15 sacks. He has got to find a way to get through some of that shit. And he's got, I don't know if that's talking to other veteran DNs around the league to how do you get through double teams and shit, but he's got to find ways to get through that because that is literally the only way they're going to generate pressure. Yeah.
1: Besides I, I, blood scene. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think to um, <clears throat> to give Brian Burns a little credit, uh, not in the obviously getting pressure on the quarterback side of it, but in, in run defense, I think he's improved uh, a lot uh, from last season. I saw a lot that he popped when I was at the game. Um, I didn't rewatch it, but I do want to. Um, I feel like he has improved a lot. When, when, when the run was stopped, at the line of scrimmage, it was Brian Burns getting the stop. It was Brian Burns tackling him. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> to call somebody out that really needs to be called out because he has been a no-show ever since he's been drafted is Derek Brown. Where is Derek Brown at? I, I did not hear his name called once um, or see him on, uh, make a play once on Sunday, stopping the run. Derek Brown is a top-10 defensive tackle. He should be a difference maker on the field. He should be someone – that offenses are are terrified of that they have to the game plan around and he's just not, he, he gets bullied on the offensive line. Like there's, I, I think I saw like three plays uh, that uh, Brown's Twitter had posted. I mean, Brian Burns got pancaked multiple times. It's just when, when you're that high of a draft pick and the, the team invests that much into you, you mean you have to Brown. stop
0: You mean Derek? Yeah, sorry.
1: Yeah. Sorry. De- Derek Brown, um, not Brian Burns, Derek Brown. Um, he got pancaked so many times. It's, when the team invests that much into you, you have to start producing And This is his third year, correct? Uh Derek Brown's third year.
0: Um Yeah. He was drafted Matt rules first year. Yeah. So,
1: three. so where are you Derek Brown? We like, we, we literally need you. <laughs> like it, it is, time. I want to give
0: a, I want to give a guy a shout out on the D line um, because this guy gets a lot of shit and a lot of temple and former Baylor players get a lot of shit. Cause Matt rule and their ties, but, Bravion Roy's tackle, the diving tackle on Jacoby Brissett in the game. It was in the fourth quarter, I believe, the diving tackle. That Mm -hmm. saved them later in the game uh, from the Browns getting a first down. So hats off to him because he is a big-ass dude, and he chased down Brissett and dove and got the tackle. He still got a gain out of it, but it held them. Um, behind the stick. So I just wanted to give him a little shout-out because that was a hell of a fucking play. It was. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that was. I I do distinctly remember that play. Um, And I was was surprised to see Big 93
0: out there. But defensively, again, and this kind of goes back to last year, is they struggled to create turnovers. And you mentioned it a little bit already, but they had chances at two interceptions in the game. The one that Woods picked off, that Henderson had the PI on, and then also Hartsfield had that one where he dropped – It was like a weird tight end out route. um, And he turned around kind of at the last minute. If he turned around quicker, it would have been a pick. So, again, those are the things that if they convert on, I mean, that's huge. There was several plays. I don't know if you saw this one. It was late in the game. And I thought this was interesting. They did this. I saw someone pointed this out on Twitter, too. Um, But late in the game, they sent J.C. Horn on a lot of blitz. They they sent J.C. Horn. I think it was the last drive. They sent J.C. Horn on two cornerback blitzes on back-to-back plays which i like him in coverage more than yeah. other guys so i thought that was interesting but on one of the plays that he blitzed on i mean he was literally like a fucking an inch from tipping the pass off of brissette's hands when he threw it like a fucking inch it was so close Um, uh, and that i mean that could have that could have made a difference so that's the shit like that like Last year, they talked about, yeah, we're this close to it. Like, they got to start making that shit now. That, yeah. That's got to happen now for them to see this, um, see this ship turn around and start collecting some wins in a row here. Um, we've been seeing a lot of negative shit. I do want to say, going back uh, offensively, the Panthers finally have a quarterback that can win you football games. Baker Mayfield – Won the game for the Panthers. The defense lost it. Like he went and brought this team back 17 points. I believe it was in the fourth quarter. Put them ahead. They should have closed that game out. They finally have a QB that can do that. Sam Darnold, I don't think would have done that. I think we could all agree on that. Baker Mayfield, I think proved in that first game. He has, he has the grit. He's got the leadership that he can win you football games, which is good to see. And I hope, I hope that win comes this week, but, like, that that was promising to me. Um, that, I mean, that, that pass to Robbie uh, in the fourth
1: quarter where he's, you know, he's drifting to the left and he flicks it 60 yards, 70 yards, right on the money to Robbie. I mean, that's one of the best passes I've seen in Carolina in a very long time, a very long time. And uh, to I think it was, like, with, like, six or seven minutes left, and uh, I was sitting there, you know, in my seat, and I was just like, man, I, I, the Panthers have to score quick uh, to have a chance here and, and get a stop. And, you know, I, I I was like just running through so many scenarios in my head. And not once did I think that Baker Mayfield was going to hit Robbie Anderson for a 75-yard touchdown. And um, when it happened, I was in shock. <laughs> I really was. But it, it was awesome. Um, it really was. And I, and that that is another thing that I think, you know, you, you come away um, with – feeling exactly the way that you that you said is that we have a quarterback that can win us games. Um the defense did not do their part on Sunday. Uh and and you know part of that is probably because the offense didn't do their part to begin the game and essentially wore the defense out uh to to mm-hmm. start but um this is the NFL and and I'm so tired of making excuses. It, we we just got to get a win and mm-hmm. and and then People Want to bring up the two bad calls at the end again that we haven't even talked about yet? We'll get there, we'll get there.
0: So, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I okay, I, I, I want to talk about it. So, so go ahead. I wanted to give one mm-hmm. another shout out, just one, one thing. I, Johnny, uh, well, two things. Johnny Hecker, um, the guy's elite, he really yeah. is. He deserved, yeah. he deserved a shout out in the third quarter. Um, he had a sixty-one-yard fucking punt. I mean, the thing—the thing just fucking soared. It just kept going, and it was funny because the guys in front of me, they were talking about instead of arguing because the game was so shitty in the first half, really on both sides. The, the brown—the Browns fans by me and the guy in front of me were arguing who had the better punter because we saw the punters a lot. Yeah. They were—they were talking about how. Johnny Ecker was the MVP of the team and it was just a kind of ongoing funny joke, but re- seriously, he's, he is, he's still got it. The guy's been in the league forever, still a beast and hats off to Eddie Pinheiro. I mean, the guy made the game winning field goal, should have been the game winning field goal kick mm-hmm. I mean, to come in week one, haven't been there long and to kick that and make it and made all of his field goals that day. He did fuck up on the kickoff. He had that kick out yeah. of bounds, put him at the 40, um, Tabor talked about that today. Eddie seems like he's got an issue with that. He said in Chicago, Eddie made a really good kick. I, I don't know if it was a game winner, but he got really excited. And then on the kickoff, he kicked out of bounds. So I think it's something where he just gets so fucking amped up after getting a kick. He kicks it out of bounds. So that's something they, Tabor said, they need to work on a little bit. But did you see his emotion after
1: making the kick? He was lit.
0: Oh, yeah, he was uh, fired up. Yeah, you, you really don't see a lot of kickers with that much emotion. But,
1: yeah, I mean, that that makes sense that he just gets so hyped up after it. He's just like – he just wants to uncork it on the kickoff and it just goes out of bounds. But if, if that's the worst – you know, that was the worst thing he did on Sunday, I'll take that. I will take that. He made the – like you said, he made the field goal um, that put us up, that showed us – won us the game. He made all his PATs. Um, I will take a kick out of bounds um, if I have to. So –
0: and then the, let's talk about the refs because that was the other factor. Um, I'll let you go first.
1: Well, I, I was just going to, to like, for me, I, yes, the, the calls were bad. Uh, sure. Um, the, the pass interference or the, the roughing the passer, um, you know, on the replay, you can see Brian Burns making slight contact with uh, Brissett's head uh, with, I think it was Brian Burns face mask. Um and probably most of the time that, that's not going to be flagged, but it was, so, so be it. The fake spike was, was an obvious miscall. Uh, they even said that, it, you know, when they picked up the flag that it was a fake spike when the ref said that. But I say all that to say the Panthers should not have been in that situation against a team led by Jacoby Brissett to allow two bad calls from the referees to lose them the game. So I it, for me, it really does. It doesn't even matter because I, I the Panthers did not play well enough to win that game. So, um, yeah, they were bad calls, but I'm not I'm not putting the game on that.
0: I want to preface it. I agree with you totally. I think they should have. I mean, it should have never came down to that, but they got fucking robbed. And I don't even care about the Brian Burns play because I can see where it's ticky tacky. It's really close. I can see why they called it. And I know they changed the rule this year and that could have changed, but they literally admitted on the field that he fake spiked it. You can see in the replay that he, he looks at Amari Cooper first backs up and then spikes it in the NFL that's a 10-second runoff, which would have put him at about three to four seconds left in the game and would have backed him up 10 yards for a six, 8 yard field goal. We know this kicker has made a 70-yarder in preseason, not in the game, but on in warm-ups. So he could have had the leg, but that would have changed a lot of shit, and they also went to have had a timeout. So... They did get fucked on that. I get it. It shouldn't have come down to that. But the Panthers mounted a comeback that deserves some credit. And that should have put this into a whole entirely different situation. And they ultimately might have won the fucking game off of it. Um, So Mike Florio, you're a piece of shit. And I know you'll probably never hear this. But for him to come out and then say Matt Rule was wrong about it. And then write this hit piece basically about him and then retracted a day later, watch his shit and know what you're talking about. He, t- he said he talked to NFL guys and a b- bunch of shit. He didn't fucking see the play. So he ran an article that gets blasted out to everyone, and everyone sees it, and then he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. He was fucking wrong, watched a replay. They got robbed. It could have t- ultimately changed the game. I get it. They should have kicked the Browns' ass. I totally understand. I get that. But that was a bullshit call. And honestly, I don't think they even I don't think the media talked about it enough because you put that on the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Packers, the Eagles, any other fucking team in this league, that would have been the number one fucking headline the rest of the day on ESPN. Panthers never get it because they always lose. And that is, I understand that. But that was a bullshit call. And I, I didn't even talk about it enough because I didn't understand it. I saw them throw the flag then I was confused at why they threw the flag and then they picked it up. And that just pissed me off because I wanted them to get a fucking flag. So I I honestly didn't know what it was, what was going on when that happened, like at the game, because again, you, you don't see as much as you on TV, but I just needed to go on a rant about that. Again, the game shouldn't have been that close. They should have won this game handily. Mm -hmm. Um, But for them to mount a comeback and then get fucked like that, I was just a little bit sour.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you have every right to be. I mean, it's it's unacceptable. I mean, I think reffing around the league has just been rough to start. I mean, all around the league for week one and in preseason, it's not been great so far. So uh, I, I was actually listening to the radio this morning. Um, prof, uh, PFF is actually doing referee grades now. So they they will grade – the ref and and I love it. <laughs> yeah, and they uh, the referee association or whatever they got going on over there uh, do not like it at all because they don't want that information to be public on how refs do per game. Um, the uh, Sean Hockley, Ed Hockley's, uh son, it, it throws the most flags. Um, uh, by any other ref in the NFL. So if we get Sean Hockley just be, be expecting a lot of flags.
0: Well, and the crew they had Sunday, that's a newer crew. Like the head guy is newer. That guy's been around like maybe two or three years now, but he's one of the newer ones. You don't see him in the playoffs and there's a fucking reason for it. So, Yeah, clearly. <laughs> well, we got some guests coming up here. Um, we're just kind of waiting on them to get in here. So we're just, we're going to pause things here for a bit, and then once they jump in, we will preview the game this weekend. Giants on the opposite side of things, coming off of a big win over Tennessee Titans. Titans had a game-winning field goal on the line. Could have been similar situation to the Panthers. And the Titans missed, what, a 42, 46-yarder, I think it was. Should have went in, bounced off the post. And Brian Dayball uh, looks like a hero week one in his first game of the season. So we got some Giants podcasters coming up with us here in a little bit. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. Support for Panthers on Tap is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Bryson and I both received the performance package 4.0. Let me tell you guys, it's a game changer inside this package we both received the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, the crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all of your goodies. Look, the other guy's stuff is like the Panthers in the first three quarters of the game. Manscaped products are like the Panthers in the fourth quarter minus the loss. Seriously, these products are great. I wouldn't be telling you guys that if I didn't try them out myself. And we're here to help you out on your order. So get out a pen and paper. You can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code TAP20 at manscaped.com. That's TAP20 uh, percent off plus free shipping with the code TAP20. Again, T-A-P-20. Please use the code. We would appreciate it. Your balls would appreciate it. Go to manscaped.com. It's time to put the PP. Back in PPR for your fantasy drafts, for your fantasy leagues. We know you guys all play it. And get a grip on your pigskin this season with Manscaped. All right, we just talked about it. The Panthers head up north this weekend to take on the Giants. Um, Just like last week, we're bringing in a few podcasters who do what we do up north. We got Nikki Gist and Chris Rosa from the Giants Guys podcast. Nikki and Chris, thank you guys so much for joining us tonight.
2: You are welcome. We are happy to be here.
0: I will start with this and you, whoever wants to jump whoever wants to jump in can. Um, is the old Saquon back? Nikki, you kind of talked about it before we got on, but <laughs> fire away.
2: Yes, he's back. He's back. For those who don't know, I did cover Giants training camp all summer. Uh, So I was around the team and I was able to see Saquon, you know, from the beginning of the summer to week one, my own eyes um, and that that good old eye test that we rely on. And right away you were able to tell the explosiveness was back. The quickness was back. The burst was back. Yes, the lateral was there, but it was power running up the middle. And I had been saying it all summer. He is back. He's angry. He was frustrated with the rehabbing process. um, And, you know, we all heard him on that podcast say what he had to say. And uh, he did exactly what I thought he would do week one. So, yes, I believe he is back. I thank him for a great fantasy week and many more to come.
0: Chris, from you, what what do Panthers fans have to be worried about with Daniel Jones? He's had his struggles with turnovers in the past. But Carolina last year, I mean, 25-3, to 3, I think it was. We don't forget that game. I mean, they got blown out of the water when they really shouldn't have. What does Jan- Daniel Jones bring to that Giants offense?
3: Well, you know, guys, you know this year it is a little different because it's a more quarterback-friendly offense with Dable and Kafka. So I, I think you know that short to intermediate throws. I mean, he's very accurate. But uh, I, I think what Daniel Jones brings is athleticism. The things that you have to worry about as a Giants fan with Daniel Jones is does he he doesn't feel the pressure? That's a big concern. And does he lock onto his receivers? Now, last week we got a taste of he's actually making some progressions. Um, but you just, that red zone mistake, right, Nikki, it seems yeah. like every year they get, when they do get into the red zone, it, it, it's, it's a dumb error, right? It's a back shoulder that was to Saquon that should have never been thrown. It was thrown way too late. And you could even see Dable chew him out in the sideline. So it's those mental you know, errors, almost a little Eliesque. Like Eli was very famous for those red zone, you know, oh my God, Eli, how could you throw that ball? So Jones kinda, you know, he shows that and and that's the thing. He needs to uh he needs to just um, you know, if he wants to uh you know throw that ball, just throw it. Don't 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 second guess himself. And uh you saw that last week with that late throw in the red zone on the back shoulder.
1: So so Chris, we'll stick with you on this and then go to Nikki. Uh what what is different from the Joe Judge team that we saw last season to the Brian Dable team that we're going to see this season um, in, in regards to what you mentioned with the offense and, and, and team as a whole.
3: Yeah, well, Jason Garrett was quoted as saying last year to Daniel Jones, And this came out after his firing and when things moved to the new regime was that he didn't want him to make mistakes. You you almost put the, uh, you know, you put the handcuffs on Jones and he was afraid to make mistakes. Where Dable this year in training camp said, listen, just let it loose. And what does Jones have to lose, right? I mean, this is last year unless they franchise him. So I think the difference is uh, Jones is going to play a little bit looser. And the offense itself is going to play a little bit looser. And you saw, like we said, Saquon last week, he's playing with the burst. He's hitting the hole. He's he's taking contact. But getting back to Jones, I think he, he knows that this is uh, – he has to go out fighting, and with this offense being a little bit more quarterback-friendly um, – I think he's going to be asked to hey take the shots downfield where last year with Garrett I think it was more like get the third and manageable where you're going to see now on those second downs Jones is going to take his shots and you saw that with Shepard last week
0: I want to talk a little bit about what the Giants struggled with in week one because I'm sure it wasn't all you know butterflies and roses so what 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 can we kind of look forward to and take advantage of? Um, from Carolina's end um, against this giant team, whether it's offensively, defensively, special teams?
2: Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, for me, I I was always kind of concerned about that secondary, right? Um, It's a little thin for me. They're very, very young, and they had all said – Playing in that Wink Martindale defense you really need to be very intelligent very smart to grasp it and we know we've all watched Wink's career he's got the guys all over the field so that does concern me a little bit um you know the the deep threat right I know the Titans didn't go deep but you know Baker Mayfield to Robbie Anderson that would concern me like a deep threat there would concern me uh very much so um, I think for the Giants, like let's work on that. Let's um I'd like to see some more of our wide receivers get involved in our tight end. Uh, some of them went missing. Um, but I think for me it's it's the the deep threat of of you know Baker Mayfield, Robbie Anderson that would concern me the most for this week.
0: Now we we kind of both for both teams, we had we we drafted Iki Aquanu. You guys got Evan Neal. Iki Aquanu faced Miles Garrett all day, week one. It was a tough matchup he gave up two sacks he could maybe say one um but what have you guys seen from evan neal um in that first matchup week one i'm just kind of curious to see how he's doing because we're curious i mean that could have been a carolina pick too so
3: vicky you want me to go or
2: oh yeah no a, yeah like so
3: um Getting back to Aquano, you know, he almost looks a little bit like Andrew Thomas. You know, Andrew Thomas went through those same growing pains. And Aquano's gonna be fine. You know, he that was his first real game, real action. And geez, he's up against Miles Garrett. So, you know, we saw Thomas go through those same growing pains. So I think Aquano's gonna be fine. It is good though that the Giants are getting him earlier, uh, you know, in the season, because I think halfway through the season, just like Andrew Thomas, you know, Aquano will get his feet under him and he's gonna play, you know, a heck of a lot better than he did that first week. But um I'm sorry, what was, your, what was the question again? I'm curious yeah. how Evan Neal has looked for you guys. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so Evan Neal, I, definitely a, a great run blocker. You saw on the edge on a few runs by Barkley, really good with, with uh, the point of contact um, and, and taking on those edge rushers. But um, I, I wasn't focusing on too much on the passing. I was more focused on the guard position. And you saw the, the at the left guard position, if you watch the game, um, they really struggled with the Zudu in um, pass protection and then they kind of flip-flopped him in Brederson so I think that's probably going to be somewhere that the Panthers will probably attack I don't think it might be uh, Neil so much it's going to be that left guard spot with Uzuto in and, and, and uh, pass protection
0: biggest surprise from the Giants was it Brian Dabo going for it on two-point conversion what was what was something you're like wow you didn't expect in that week one game
2: You know, I think it was just for me and probably a lot of Giants fans, it was seeing the aggressiveness, right? Because we haven't seen that in a very, very, very long time. And when he was like, you know, he's getting ready to go for two. And I'm like, come on, go for it. Just go for it, right? And he said, he told the media, like, That was the spot we were doing it. We're going for the win. We're playing for the win. We're going to be aggressive. And, you know, I like it. Make the aggressive call in the right spot. You know, if that's any other coach, you're probably, you know, trying to take the points. What is that really doing for you? So for me personally, I just it was nice to see some aggressive play calling.
3: Yeah. And, and just going off of what Nikki said, that was surprising. And also the fact the Giants middle linebackers, you know, they're they're not the ba- they're not really uh, you know, a deep, a deep unit, especially after looking at b- leaving uh, Blake Martinez had left. But to stop, uh, you know, Henry and keep him under 100 yards was definitely, uh, you know, definitely, uh, I think, a surprise. And um, yeah, I, I was very surprised that at, at uh, Henry being held under uh, 100 yards. And actually, I think his longest run might have been like eight eight yards. So, yeah, wow. definitely definitely good job by the linebacker unit. However, I see the Panthers attacking that linebacker unit in pass coverage, especially McCaffrey. It's almost yeah. going to be like a, uh, an image of uh, Barkley and McCaffrey back and forth attacking those linebackers. So I see the Giants in a lot of nickel, a lot of big nickel, because uh, McCaffrey will run crazy on those linebackers. They can't cover. Tay Carter and uh, Carlito um, are okay, but they're not, not good in coverage. Well, so, yeah. Go ahead, Bryson.
1: I was just going to ask, uh, and, and both of you guys can answer. Uh, how are the Giants looking health wise? I know I, I saw a couple names. I think Kadarius Tony popped back up on the injury report today. I thought I saw, and then a, a corner maybe. Um, but uh, overall, how are you? How did you guys come out of Week One health wise?
2: I think we did pretty good. Let me see. I briefly, like I put notables down for my game preview. I think Wandale, he did not practice. Uh, Feliciano was limited, Aziz limited, Kayvon limited. So, um, I did not see Kadarius Tony pop back on, but I did look at the injury report a few hours ago. So, I'm sure he's probably back on there. So, I think Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, I think there is nothing new. We're just kind of still dealing with the same guys yeah, over and over again.
3: Spot on, Nikki. The only thing that came up, uh, you know, later on today was, uh, Tony, which is kind of ridiculous, uh, he played seven snaps and he has that nagging hamstring going back to preseason, which is it's never going to end. Ah. Um, Aaron Robinson, he had um, um, appendectomy surgery, so he's going to be out. So now we're already, you know, weak on that uh, other corner spot across from Adori. So now you're looking at Cordell Flott, who's a rookie. You're looking at uh, maybe... Um, Fabian Monroe, who's been a journeyman that the Giants signed right, bef- right before the season started, played with Atlanta last year. He's average. So, boy, I'll tell you what: Panthers attacking, um, you know, those second and third corners, um, especially in the nickel. Now you might have to bring that nickel, which is Cordell Flott, over to the other side. You know, now you're going deep into a depth chart that's very thin. So, yeah, I could I could see uh, I could see the Panthers attacking that. Mm-hmm. And Azudu, Zudu's hurt. Uh, excuse me, not Azudu, um Brederson the center, he has a. Uh, uh, excuse me, not Brederson. uh Feliciano, he has a lower leg injury. So if that happens, you'd have to move Brederson to center, and Azuda would then be uh, at left guard, split in time with Devry Hamilton. So now, once again, you're getting deep into a depth chart that's kind of thin. Well, I'm loving what I'm hearing so far. <laughs>
0: no,
2: I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> but Kayvon, let's talk about him, because I saw the ESPN article out today that he's kind of feeling confident he might make his debut this week. What are your guys' sense just – from your perspective, do you think he's gonna play this weekend or is it kind of far stretched here?
2: I I don't know. I so they originally said one to three weeks. Uh I would probably edge to maybe one more week. I I think just because he's he was limited today. I, I I'm not sure that he's gonna be ready. And I would imagine he probably. I don't know. I would think maybe one more week. I personally would want that, right? Like, let's just wait at this point and make sure he's really healthy.
0: Well, let's, let's, we'll do it. We'll do a couple more questions here. Um, And Bryson, I'll ask you this one too. Um, If you had to pick a player or a position group, who is going to be the difference maker in this game this weekend?
1: Um, Well, uh, I think for, For us, obviously, uh, I don't know if if, if you guys saw or not, but uh, against the Browns, you know, we we lost to a Jacoby Brissett-led team. Uh, Curtis and I were just talking about that uh, before you guys topped on. But um, we couldn't stop the run. I think that we gave up over 200 yards rushing. Uh, Nick Chubb had 141, and uh, Kareem Hunt had two touchdowns. So, uh, obviously, Saquon Barkley going up against the number one rush defense in last year and, and having the day that he had worries me quite a bit as a Panthers fan. Um, I think Barkley, if he has a day like he had against the Titans, it's going to be another long day for Carolina. So um, he's definitely the, the difference maker for the Giants. I think that if Carolina can somehow magically learn how to stop the run, then, you know, I think this the game script could go a different way. But I think on both sides uh, for each team, I think that the running back is probably the most important position uh, for the team because obviously – uh, versus the Browns, we didn't use McCaffrey as much as we usually do, and a lot of the fans were were complaining and and, and asking why. But uh, if if they do involve McCaffrey and he is successful, then the offense will will open up more and hopefully not struggle from from out, out of the gate like they did against the Browns. So those would be my two players to watch for.
0: Yeah, I'd go with I'd go with Baker Mayfield. Um, that offense struggled, and he had four botched snaps three of them were his fault. Uh, he had four or five tip passes. Um, if that offense got rolling in the first half, which it was non-existent, um, in those first two quarters and really the third quarter, I think that game would have been a way different story, even if they gave up 200 yards rushing to be totally honest. I mean, they, they had a chance. I mean, they pretty much should have won that game. They had about a minute left and they were up, um, with a 17 point fourth quarter. So, Again, I'll, I said last week if they hold the Browns to 150 yards, I think they win the game. If they can hold, if they can hold Saquon uh, to 150 or lower, I still think they got a pretty good shot at winning this thing. But it's gonna, it's gonna go on Baker. He had the costly interception um, on their side of the field last week that led to points for the Browns. Um, I think if he can control the ball and play like he did in preseason and play like he did in the fourth quarter last week, it's going to lead to success for this team. What about you guys? Yeah.
3: Yeah, you know, as a Giant fan, I know what Baker Baker Mayfield can do. I mean, he's only been with the team for a few months, right? I mean, he came in late. Um, It was his first, you know, obviously real game. But um, you could see in the second half how he started feeling a little bit more comfortable and things started to click a little bit more. And I keep thinking about that Brian Burns play, right, the personal foul. I mean, that was such a horrible call that really just, you know, those 15 yards killed him. I think the Panthers win that game if not for that call, uh, that, that horrible call on Brian Burns for the personal foul. So I, I think the second half, you saw a little bit of difference in the Carolina team, almost like the Giants, right? The second half, you saw them start started to uh, kick it in a little bit. So I think these teams are very mirror imaging themselves um, uh, in terms of the running backs, uh, in terms of the quarterbacks both out to prove something. Uh, the one thing I will say is the receivers are much better on Carolina with D.J. Moore and and Anderson compared to the Titans. So Giants do have their work cut out for them. I think the Panthers stacked the the box and put that single high safety and really dare Jones to beat them. And I think they're going to do whatever they can do to stop, uh, I think, Phil Snow. Right, Phil Snow? will do everything he can to stop Barkley.
2: Yeah. You know what's interesting? So these two teams played week seven last year and neither Barkley nor McCaffrey was in. So we get to see both of them. So for me, this is really coming down to the front seven of each team, right? Um, Obviously coming down to superstar running backs. And with both these guys, we know all it takes is one play, right? And they can completely change the game. And for me, it's also coming down to coaching and game planning. I see Brian Dable, Um, kind of doing the same thing with Jones as he did in Tennessee, kind of giving him that game manager role. We're going to be very run heavy. I could see, you know, Daniel Jones somewhere, same thing, that 70% ish completion rate there, probably one touchdown. So I see like a little bit more of the same, maybe just a little more refined. And I really think it's going to come down to who can execute the coaching game plan.
0: Yeah. And Daniel Jones, I I think it was the last game last year was, I mean, he was pivotal in the run game. He ripped off a couple big third down runs. I think he had like a 20-some yard. He might have had more than that, but Carolina struggled with containing him. And I think that's going to be huge on Sunday. And he is very underrated
3: running the football. (laughs) <laughs> you, you can, yeah, you can Curtis, great point and the play action is going to be huge for jones if barkley can get any semblance of a running game the giants do that i think that play action comes into play and jones really has a nice uh does a great job in play action and i think that will open things up if that if they can get that running game going so i i hope the running game uh, can get going and then use that play action to now uh you know hit the receivers downfield and maybe get the tight end like Nikki said worked in a little bit more because I think the tight end is very under the radar at this point cuz um you know we're we're going with a rookie with uh, with a fourth rounder in Bellinger.
0: Well, why don't we end on this predictions? Uh I'll let you guys go first. Who do you think wins? Give us a score. Um yeah, we'll go from there.
2: Ugh. <laughs> I can't <laughs> believe it, but I think I, I think I'm gonna say the Giants are gonna go to two and out. I don't even know, Chris. When's the last time that happened? I don't know. I'm so battered. It might, have might have been
3: 2016. Might have
2: been traumatized. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I think so. I, I don't think this is like um, a high scoring affair. You know, I don't think we're in the 30s. We're probably somewhere like 2023. 20, I think. Um, but I think what was the line? The line is two.
3: I think it's two, two and a half. It's yeah,
0: two, I think it's two, two and a half. half. I think it's
2: two yeah. and a half. I don't know. I might like the Giants to cover that too. So I'm going to at least go and say the Giants move to two and L.
3: Yeah, um, this is going to be a tight game. I'm giving the edge to the Giants only because uh, it's a, they're playing home. Um, I, I, I think uh, they will. I think Jones is going to surprise this week. He was 18 for 21 last week or 17 for 21. I, I think he's going to have to uh, – you know, it's going to have to open up for him a little bit this game. He's going to have to throw, and I think he'll do all right. Um, I am going with the Giants. I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team, but I see a 26 to 24. Um, but I do – I could just picture now the Panthers are coming down the field for, for a late-game field goal, and maybe right. the uh, Wink Martindale sends, uh, you know, sends a couple guys off the edge, and then they, they, they end the game uh, maybe on a, on a sack or something. But I think – I'm going to say 26-24 because the Giants are home.
1: Well, uh, Chris, I, I can see our old friend Graham Gano hitting a game-winning field goal against
3: us. So. Yeah. Is he playing? Is he is he there still? He's very good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, the flip side is Bryson; he'll miss the one that we yeah, need. He'll to miss. Miss, yeah,
2: I'll miss that one. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. are
3: you guys, but he'll miss the forty-one yarder with us. Just you yes. know, that's just how, it's over.
2: <laughs> that's how it goes in Giants Land over here. I yeah. hope not. I hope no, <laughs> not. Uh,
1: against Carolina. Uh, kickers don't miss anything so um
2: yeah i, I i'm very
1: scared uh, of saquon barkley uh i'm i'm worried uh because you know we go from nick chubb to saquon barkley for one of the worst rush defenses in the league in my opinion so um i think that the giants will run the ball and it's going to be a low scoring game um well if the offense can can get their feet and 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 pound it early then then maybe the panthers have a chance but i do think that the giants will, will win the game um i i I would say maybe like 21-17 Giants.
0: I'm the only hopeful one here. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, I predicted a, a blowout last week, but that didn't happen. Uh, I think it's going to be close. Uh, the Browns game was close. There's no way this one's going to be a blowout. So I'm, I'm going to say 24-20. Again, I think Baker, this offense gets going earlier, um, not the fourth quarter like last game. And I still think if I I still think Saquon can have a pretty damn good day versus Carolina, and they still can win this game. But I do think they're going to need a turnover from Daniel Jones. They got to get him to throw a pick. They couldn't get one last game on percent and that killed them. So I think they're going to have to create at least one turnover in this game from Jones and Mayfield's got to play well, but I still think they can squeak it out. Um, and I mean, time's running out. Matt rules got to start getting some wins here. It's going to start looking even more ugly, but I just want to thank Nikki and Chris again. Thank you guys so much for taking your time to preview this matchup. Go check out their podcast, the giant guys. You can find it anywhere you listen to your podcast. And again, thank you guys so much. I know it's Thursday night. There's a big ass game going on right now that I want to watch and I don't want to keep you long, but thank, oh, good. You. thank you.
2: Thank you for thank you, having mom. us. Thank you.
0: I hope Carolina kicks their ass and puts out a statement. Get this damn win! We're tired of losses. Win the damn game. I don't care how many times people touch the ball. I know how many? I don't care about the RPOs in the fourth quarter. The play calling. Just get a fucking win. That's all Do we want. It takes. Do I don't it. know Dude, how whatever it pass. takes. Win the damn game. We want to thank everyone for listening to the Panthers on Tap podcast. You can catch all of our episodes. Every single week, wherever you get your podcast, go give us a follow on Twitter at PanthersonTap for all your analysis and breaking news. Again, don't forget we are um, supported by Manscaped. Please use our code again. You can get 20% off plus free shipping. It is tap 20. Go to manscaped manscaped.com. Use that on any product you want. We would truly appreciate it. And as always.